Hello and welcome back to the Pitchsider podcast. Coming up this week, we have had Derby Week in Manchester and London and a whole host of world-class goals. Joining me this week is the Pitchsiders expert, Mr. Toby Green. How are we? I'm very well today. How are you? Yeah, um, very good. Uh, yeah, it's been good around the fixtures in the Premier League. I um, really enjoyed some of the games, actually, but we'll get on to that in a minute, I suppose. And But let's start off with some sad news from Indonesia. We've They've had a stadium disaster where at least 125 people have died from crushing when fans... When about 3,000 fans entered the pitch and police then tear gassed them and everyone tried to search the exits and yeah, we ended up with this disaster. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Well, it's obviously a tragedy. Yeah, I don't know how much we can say on this. It's yeah, obviously one of the, you know, the dark marks upon history. Um you know, obviously, there's been the Hillsborough disaster in, in, in the UK. That was a while ago. Uh, but you don't really expect to see kind of things like this happen nowadays. So it's shocking to see uh, over a game that we all, all love. But yeah, obviously, our sympathies go out to those affected. Yeah, definitely. I think this ranks the third worst disaster in football ever. Um, I think it just ranks higher than um, the Hillsborough disaster, which you just mentioned. But yeah, um, FIFA have asked for coming out of FIFA today. It's announced that they want a full in- investigation into this, as especially in Europe, police aren't allowed to carry um, chemical weapons like tear gas, um, because obviously this does happen. Let's move on. Uh, so we've got some. We've had some kit dramas this week. Um, do you want to fill us in a little bit about this? Yeah, so there's, there's been there's been two actually that we can mention. Uh, firstly, there's Morocco um, having a go at Algeria for apparently stealing their cultural, uh, I guess mosaic mosaic um, styles, and uh, put them onto a football shirt. So there's a bit of drama in that. <clears throat> uh, I guess you know, looking at the, the shirts, they do look quite nice to be fair. But if you look at the the, the designs from you know Moroccan, I guess uh, architecture. There is a similarity, but, you know, they are neighboring countries, so there's probably an overlap in, in culture and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, honestly, I, who cares, to be honest. Let them express themselves how they want um, Algeria. I don't know. What do you want to say about this one? Yeah, I mean, they should be able to have what kits they want. I know certain symbols are linked with certain club, well, certain countries, especially with England, like we've got the Lions. But there is, yeah, let them just express, especially when it's a World Cup. Everyone's going to be wanting to get more. Everyone loves getting behind their team, so don't really need this drama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I do write the kit, actually, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, check it out. See what you think. Uh, you can make up your own decisions on this. Um, but, yeah, I would buy it. Yeah, let us know in the comments. Uh, and also the second one is um, basically, uh, I don't know what you think about this, but yeah, Denmark for the World Cup will wear a sort of blacked out kit and also their, their home kit uh, will be like fully red. So you can't see the 
Hummel uh, sponsor, nor can you see the uh, Danish insignia badge. Um, apparently, this is like a way to protest against Qatar's human right record. Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I think it's kind of bullshit kind of marketing from Hummel. Um, if they, you know, want to make a real stance, they wouldn't go to this tournament. So I feel in a way it's sort of the, the kit providers sort of pandering to an audience and stuff. I, I don't know. Um, I, I like the idea. And, you know, there definitely needs to be a stand against this kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I think there's maybe better ways to do it than, you know, trying to sell a few more T-shirts. Yeah, on this, I suppose. I suppose if Denmark are behind this and Denmark are the leading sort of source for this, it's okay. But if it's the kit sponsor trying to, if the kit maker that's trying to do this, it's it's a bit because especially when you're hiding up countries like badge and everything, it's not that fair on the country. When I know they're still going to be iconic and people will still know who's playing, but the badge is quite symbolic for a lot of players and having by that darkened, it's going to have a bit of effect maybe on the players. No, to be fair, in this case, I'm pretty sure all the players were behind it and uh, the Danish FA were maybe not masterminds behind it, but they were certainly involved in, in the designs. So I think it's a collaborative effort and they have had some outspoken people, you know, Christian Eriksen and a few others talking about the World Cup in Qatar. Yeah, I don't know. I like the idea, but yeah, there's definitely other ways that they could have done it um, that may not have seen as sort of money grabby. Um, but yeah, to be fair, the the black kit is quite nice. I do like that. So they at least designed a nice kit, unlike some other nations. Moving on to one of your favorite topics, US-backed owners. Um, it's come out this week that the sports group KAM are still interested in buying the Premier League club Everton after a few, about a year ago, they were in discussions with the Everton owner and then it was said that the club was not in sale, but they apparently have claimed that they're still talking to the owner about buying the club, but I don't know whether this is just them trying to force the hand, especially as you bought, as they built like a, or build him a new stadium i don't know what what are your thoughts on this one mm. well mashiri is the current owner the majority owner and as you said he's built or building a new stadium on the on like the docks um fifty three thousand seater uh so that's going to cost a hell of a lot of money so you feel like this is going to be an investment by the current owner um i know the club's got a lot of debts like over 300 million or so so maybe that'd be an incentive to sell, but you think that, you know, investing in a stadium is sort of a long-term ambition from, from the current owner. So I don't know. I It was hard to see if this one does go through, um, especially after uh, Mashiri said that it was not for sale. But, you know, everything's for sale for the right price, I guess. Um, and the Premier League is one of the most attractive leagues, uh, leagues for American owners to buy into nowadays. So maybe we'll see a big offer for Everton. You know, they've spent pretty poorly in the past with a lot of money that they've had. So, you know, throwing money at Everton may not be the, you know, the solution to their to their woes at the moment. Bringing it sort of more to the pitch rather than owners, and um, we've had two managers seconds this week as well. Um, in Middlesbrough, Chris Wilde, which was announced six hours ago, and also Wolves have sacked uh, Bruno Lards. What are your thoughts on these two 
sackings and potential maybe replacements. Yeah, so starting the Premier League when Bruno Lush, he had pretty terrible run. I don't think they won a game in 15 uh, runnings uh, prior to sacking, which is um, you know relegation uh, form. So it does make sense to let him go. Yeah, I know. Probably, you know, he's been a bit unlucky. You know, they bought in a striker, Klaasic, uh, for about, I think it was 15 to 20 million from Stuttgart. Uh, he got injured day one, basically. Um, so they were left basically having to bring in uh, Costa, who is definitely not like a Premier League level quality striker at the moment. Although he did have an opportunity to score and almost scored. Um, but yeah, generally, it's not a great sign bringing in a 35 year old striker. Uh, and also they spent a lot of money, over 100 million on new signings this summer. So they have invested quite well. Um, you know, Nunes is quite an interesting midfielder that they brought in from Portugal. Um, so, yeah, I think they they were looking for you know better results after this big investment. So, yeah, not really a huge surprise that he was let go. Uh, in terms of Chris Wilder, also last season he had a fantastic season with Middlesbrough. Um Coming quite far into the player spots, um, but this year he's been pretty, pretty dire. Middlesbrough, twenty second in the championship. Uh, nothing seems to be going their way at the moment. He is a top quality manager, though. We saw that in the Premier League with Sheffield United, um, and you know last year he did. Whilst at Middlesbrough, did have a few offers from um, other, I think, Premier League clubs, uh, but he decided to stay um, at the Riverside Stadium. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes from now whether he'll stay in the championship or, you know, hold off for maybe a lower Premier League club if one comes available. Um, he's still, I think, a decent manager. So there'll be a few clubs going off for his signature. Is um is Middlesbrough a perfect sort of fit maybe for Sean Dykes to get back into football? Or do you reckon he should maybe go um to more of a wait, hold out and go to a Premier League team? Maybe Wolves, but I suppose Wolves would probably go with some Portuguese manager. Yeah, 100%. Wolves will go for a Portuguese manager. Um, but yeah, I think for Daesh, it wouldn't make a bad, be a bad choice career-wise to move to Middlesbrough. You know, what we saw from them last year, they have the potential to to probably get promoted. Uh, I think there's a few positions they still need to strengthen. But, you know, bringing in a, a manager who's got experience, not only in the Premier League, but also the Championship, would be a real benefit for them. And he's been out of job for a while. Maybe he will wait out for a Premier League job, uh, you know, with his CV, all the years he spent in the Premier League. I think maybe some clubs will, will look for him there, some Premier League clubs, um, but it will be interesting. I'm sure, no doubt, he's already had offers from championship clubs um, that he's probably already turned down. So we'll see. Maybe this is an attractive proposition for him. And um, moving on, the final bit of news this week, um, it's come from various sources, and um, the pitch rider has reported on this. Um, in Cuckoo to Chelsea, um, he's a player you think very highly of. Um, and it's been, I think, even Fabrizio Romani has confirmed that he's had a secret medical at Chelsea. And it's came out today that there's also been a pre contract agreement signed um, at, with Chelsea, willing to spend over his release clause to. Uh, get his signature. Yeah, I'm, I'm very disappointed about this news. Uh, I feel like he is. Well, I feel like he should have won a Ballon d'Or last year. To be fair, um, I know, I know, Benzema definitely is going to deserve it because you know 
winning the Champions League is no easy feat. But with the goals and assists and the you know general play of Nkuku, is he had a phenomenal year. Um, top three players in the world, minimum. Um, so yeah, uh, I, yeah. So he stayed at, at Leipzig for an additional year. Um, he signed a new contract, which had a release clause around sixty million pounds. Leipzig didn't want to sell at the time. Um, but they said to him, basically, we'll let you go for a reasonable amount uh, and you basically get the pick of your you know, choosing uh, for which team you move to. And I think he will do well in the Premier League. Um, and, and, and Chelsea, sort of how they, they set up with the sort of three sort of attacking players up front. Got immense quality, as I said, you know, not just goals, but assists as well. And his general link up players, second to none. Uh, I think it'll be exciting to watch him in the Premier League, but obviously I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed he's going to Chelsea. Um, the the you know Todd Bolian is uh, little empire of investors um, spending big, so yeah, will be will be interesting to see if it actually goes through. It looks like it will at the moment with all the reports. However, you know, I'm slightly disappointed. Would like to see him at United. He probably wasn't going to come. Is is Chelsea a good second option for you if he wasn't going to go to United, or do you reckon he would have suited more of a? I know Liverpool were in for him, and probably City were in for him as well. City, yeah. Uh, the thing about Nkunku is that he's incredibly versatile. You can play him as a striker, attacking midfielder on the wings. Um, you know, his, his probably his best position is probably second striker or, or thereabouts. So I feel like, yeah, it will work it will work out well for him at Chelsea um, in that sort of three and three, which is sort of quite dynamic, moves around a lot uh, with Sterling on on the right maybe in cookie through the middle. You know, I don't particularly rate habits too highly, if I'm honest, but maybe with Funkuku around him, we'll see um, the best of habits. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe they'll buy another player, Chelsea. Maybe they'll buy another left winger or something to complement the trio. I don't know. I I, I really don't know. Um, it depends what Potter really thinks he's going to get on, but I, I don't know. I could see him... I could see it working out with him sort of more of a centre forward with maybe like Brozier ahead of him. Um, and then with like maybe Sterling and Mount surrounding him as well. Could be interesting. Yeah, maybe. I don't think Brozier will be a starter next year. I'll put, put a bit of money on that to be fair. Um, but yeah, will be interesting. Yeah, but yeah, I can definitely see him having a big impact in the Premier League. Or no matter what club he goes to because of his immense quality. And I'm sure he'll have a good World Cup as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And if he does, it means Chelsea have got him for a bargain. Mm. He could be another Haaland. Well, I don't think he's on that level out of goal scoring, but I guess a profile player, he could definitely reach that. Um, should we move on to the Premier League this week? It's been a big week in the Premier League. So this is going to be the only league we are going to cover this week. Um, there's a lot to talk about. Um, but yet to start off, I'll just go through quickly the um, t- scores from the weekend um, and then start of the London derby. Mm-hmm. So we start with Arsenal Tottenham. Arsenal won 3-1. Uh, Bournemouth Brentford was 0-0. In the other London derby, Chelsea beat Palace 2-1. Fulham lost to Newcastle 4-1. Liverpool and Brighton had an exciting 3-1. Uh, Everton beat Southampton 2-1. West 
West Ham beat the Wolves 2-0. And on the Sunday, we had the Manchester derby, which Toby's definitely looking forward to dissecting. City 6, Man United 3. And we also had Leeds versus Villa 0-0. And to kick off tonight, as of recording this, we have Leicester versus Nottingham Forest to kick off in about 10 minutes' time. Um, but yes, start with the London derby. Uh, Arsenal were very dominant against Tottenham. Uh, did you watch this game? Yes, I did, yeah. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on how this it, went? Yeah, I agree with you. Generally, Arsenal were quite dominant. Um, it wasn't until the the red card, though. I think before the red card, Ferguson Tottenham were a lot um, better, just generally. You know, whenever you go down to 10 men, it does affect you. Um, and they did have to play half an hour with, with 10 men. Uh, but prior to that, yeah, it was quite a, uh, I would say more evenly matched team uh, game, uh, although Arsenal were the bad side. I feel like Xhaka this year has turned into an absolute phenomenal midfielder. Uh, I know a lot of Arsenal fans were calling for his, his head uh, probably last season, but this year he looks phenomenal. Um, he's had a great start to the season. Two goals, three assists in eight games for a defensive midfielder. Um, but yeah, generally... Arsenal look phenomenal. Uh, great link-up play. We've seen it throughout the whole season so far, um, how Arteta wants to set them up. Uh, a bit similar to, to City, I guess. Um, you know, quick moving, quick movements, um, quick transitions, um, and quite high press, um, particularly, you know, in the midfield, and even the defence, like pushing um, the opposite, opposition's uh, attackers. So it kind of worked out well for them. Um and then I don't think uh, Tottenham really uh, responded well to how Arsenal started. Uh, we saw five substitutions made in the 70th minute or so by Tottenham, which I guess, you know, is a bit of a roll of the dice. But Arsenal looked more in control throughout the whole game. And I think Arteta will be very happy with this this derby win. Yeah, I think I think these five substitutions that were made definitely killed the game off for... Um, Tottenham they went very defensive I think three of the five players that came on were uh, defensive players with another defensive midfielder as well so I think they were because they took off like Son and Richarlison for these changes so it was very much we're going to try and defend and not make this really embarrassing because we are really poor in this game yeah Uh, I don't know We, we saw you know the first appearance for Oliver Skip uh, first time in, I don't know how many, like a year probably. Um, but I know he's going back from injury, but he's definitely not the player that you want to see come on to make an impact. Um, yeah, Arsenal look to be pretty good in the Premier League. I think they're still top, aren't they? Um, yeah, why so, one point? You know, I don't think they'll challenge for the Premier League. It's a long way to go in the season. But, you know, if they keep picking up wins like this, they can definitely finish maybe second. Even, you know, third, second. That's pretty much yeah, it. yeah. I think, I think they will drop um, their. I don't. Well, they don't. For me, they don't have. And if they lose Jesus, they're pretty like they're not got a re, sort of replacement for him or a backup to him. Um, I think they've got Inketia, but he's not really the backup player you want to go and win you the league. They've got a good starting eleven. Um, but I, the only criticism I would have 
um, is of Jesus. There, there was a couple of times when Saka put the ball across. And if, I mean, bring in the City game quickly, if we watch Haaland, Haaland will always try and, I don't know, put some body limb to sort of put it into the back of the net. Whereas there was a couple of times the ball skated across that um, six-yard line and he just didn't go and attack it. He just sort of like was further back. I don't think he would have reached it in time, but he's not as natural striker, I don't think. Well, they are very different players. I don't think you can compare the two in the play styles. Obviously, Jesus is more you know involved in build-up and just setting the whole tempo. He's already got... Well, he's got eight goal involvements in eight games, so I think it's hard to criticise him. Maybe he could have got another goal in this game, but, you know, he definitely, well, he scored and they won 3-1. Um, so it's not really a bad result for him. Um, and I, Yeah, I definitely think he can get probably 20 goals in the Premier League this, this year. So that's definitely a great re- uh, return for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, this was one of the more interesting games of this weekend, but th- there have been some crackers this whole weekend. Um, where would you like to move to next? I think the next biggest one or the most interesting one for me was the Liverpool-Brighton one, which I know three all. Um, obviously, we know the quality of, of Brighton at the moment. However, you know, they've gone through a new manager. After Potter left, they brought in uh, De Zerbi, uh, the Italian manager. Uh, and it looks up to play in like a similar system to how Potter played, which obviously is is understandable that other players know um, and they're used to it. So it sort of set up for a quite an interesting game, uh, attack versus attack, um, particularly with how Liverpool have been defended as of late. Um, but, you know, in particular, Leander Trossard, he did get a hat-trick. He was phenomenal in this game. His evolution since joining Brighton has been second to none. He's, he's in the Belgium squad. He has been for a few years, but, you know, he's, he's in and around the first team now. Um, and six goal involvements and seven games for him is is very good return. Um, and, you know, you've got to give credit also to Liverpool, and, and particularly for me, you know, uh, a lot of people were, were saying that he would leave in the window. He didn't leave um, and he looks to be a really important player now. He will be for the rest of the year, I can imagine. If he left, I think Liverpool will be in much, much greater trouble um, with their lack of established players up front. Uh, but, you know, Firmino is bit like Jesus in a way he's he's not just a, a goal scorer but he's also involved in the, the build-up and um, you know the whole progression of the, the game so he's, he's gonna be invaluable for, for this year and and he like he's also got well he's got eight goal involvements in only six games in total which is quite a good return for him very interesting game in total um, some interesting goals Trossard scores a few nice goals Brighton in fourth place now Liverpool down in ninth it's really interesting one to think about how far Brighton can go if their new manager will be able to sort of keep the form that Potter sort of left off. Um, if anything, this is probably a good sign, three all, because it's probably easier to strengthen up defensive mistakes rather than allowing your team to score when they aren't scoring. Because um, in that case, you probably have to bring in a striker rather than, you know, with your defence, you've already got a few defenders you can um, mould into better players. So, yeah. I think it'll be a positive season for Brighton. Um, I guess last year you would have thought Liverpool would have smashed this game. So, still a long way for them to go this year. Uh, Liverpool, it's still there's still a long way to go. I think there's, what, another 30 games to go or something? 
Um, so it's still anyone's to win, but yeah, you, you've got to question Liverpool here. Are they missing Mane? I mean, they've got players that are starting to come back, but are the players that are injured first team players? No, I think I think what they're missing is, you know, Van Dijk's ability to defend, Alexander's ability to defend, which has gone downhill massively this year, and his output as well. Yes, um, Robertson was injured, but Shimikas has looked as good as him, if not better, this year. Um, and you know, they they brought in Milner, who hasn't looked off the pace um, generally so far this season. I feel like their lack of squad depth might catch up with them this year more than than in the past uh i guess in the past they've been able to rely on, on salah's output and you know the mad scoring abilities of manny and salah but this year salah hasn't done too well um he's only got two goals in the premier league which for him you think could be around you know the top one of the top players uh in goal returns so yeah it hasn't been his, his moment this year i'm sure it will click later on the season maybe they need to go in by somebody in january perhaps a midfielder uh, I know they brought an Otto loan, but I don't think he's he started a game. Um, so yeah, a lot of work to go for Chelsea, uh, for Chelsea, for Liverpool. A lot, a lot of things to do, and um, yeah, a bit of a tricky one for for Klopp. Before we move on further down from the day, I do do just want to mention two goals. Um, so the Newcastle Fulham game that ended four one. Um, I don't know if you want. Did you want to talk about this game a bit more or? Yeah, I can do. I want to, yeah, I think I know what the goal you're going to talk about is Miguel Amaron's, I guess you'd call it like a half volley outside of the boot, lobs um, burnt Leno. That was a beautiful goal. He, he played really well this game, actually. He's a quality player. Um, also, we saw, like, you know, Caleb Wilson come back um, to start a game after coming back from injury. He looked quite well. He looked, did quite well. Um, got the goal. Sean Longstaff actually played after. Um, they had an injury in the field. He got a goal as well. So there's a lot of positives from, from Newcastle. Eddie Howe's doing a great job there. And I know, you know, it's a reasonably big defeat for, for Fulham. But in this case, you know, the, the red card did not help them either. Such early on, like a mistake, eight minutes in. It's hard to sort of, you know, progress 80 minutes or um playing with 10 men so they, they were, didn't really have much of a chance anyway um, but I guess credit to Newcastle for capitalising on that yeah um, the other goal I wanted to mention was Conor Gallagher's goal first goal for Chelsea return to uh, Southhouse Park um, was just a cracking sort of outside of a box shot curled in the top corner yeah, very nice goal. I do feel it was a bit unlucky for, for Palace. Um, Thiago Silva definitely should have got sent off for um, handling the ball um, when Palace were on the break. Not sure how he got away with that and VAR did not overturn the decision. It's just crazy. Um, so Palace can build very hard done by. Although, you know, Aubameyang did score a very nice goal. A nice turn and um, first time shot. And also Gallagher, as you said, you know, nice outside the box shot. But yeah, I feel like if I was a Palace supporter or a Palace player, um, I'd feel quite a little bit aggrieved about the decision. Um, there should have been Chelsea should have been down to ten men for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I def- even as a Chelsea fan, I do agree. Yeah, we de- he definitely got away with it there. Um, obviously, one it was more lucky for us. Um, I don't feel that hard done by by VAR, but 
I don't know. Yeah, definitely a Palace fan will feel more hard done by. Um, but moving on, we've got the West Ham Wolves game. Um, Samaka scored a really nice goal from the edge of the box as well. Mm. Yeah, we've seen quite a few nice goals this weekend, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah Samaka's goal, I think um, it was... I think it might be Joe Bowen had a shot and it was deflected and came to Skamaka and he flicked it up uh, and then first time sort of volleyed it um, into the top corner. Um, I, I thought for a while that, you know, he might be not exactly be the most potent striker. He might not, you know, give him 20 goals a season. But the thing is Skamaka, even though he's six foot five, you would expect that he's got fantastic um, build-up play. Uh, he brings players into the game. I guess his height does help in that matter. He can sort of push off defenders, but also his, you know, his ability on the ball is, um, it's quite good actually. Um, and he has the potential to get a few assists this season as well. So I think it was quite a good signing, a lot of money for West Ham. Um, and it has taken Skamaka a while to sort of get into gear, which is expected moving to a new league and everything. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see him turning into quite a, quite a decent signing for them. And also Jared Bowen, he did score a, a nice goal. Um, I don't think he's been that great this season, but yeah, he looked quite good in this game. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he will go to the World Cup. Southgate does like him. So yeah, and if he does keep scoring, that will definitely help his cause. Um, let's move on to a game where a striker has taken absolutely no time to settle in. Um, probably your favourite game of the weekend the Manchester Derby. I wouldn't say that, but um, yeah. How do I dissect this? Um, all righty. Well, you know, both teams, well, City were definitely in form. United were building up momentum in form after winning against Arsenal in the prior game, although it was a month before. But, you know, going into this, it was always going to be a challenge to keep Haaland sort of constraint. I was a little bit surprised with not playing Casemiro. Uh, I know he came in for a lot of money. Perhaps he's not necessarily um, Ten Hag signing. Uh, we were going after Frankie de Jong for much of the window. But we ended up with Casemiro. I would have expected him to play in this game in these big moments. He did not. Uh, and from the get-go, we looked a little bit, a little bit, we looked very vulnerable. Uh, and we sort of lost any idea of a game plan. And the first half generally was absolutely horrendous. Uh, defense wise uh, midfield we couldn't pick out any of the wingers or attackers even when City were attacking I don't think the front three were contributing enough to the defensive structure of the team so City sort of ended up running riot obviously I think everybody expected prior to the game that City were going to be comfortable winners but perhaps not to this margin two two, uh, hat-tricks Haaland had a great game three goals, two assists you know, he's not just a goal scorer, he's also a provider as well. But yeah, United couldn't keep up. The first half was shocking. 4-0 down. We're, I think, one of seven teams in history to lose two games uh, by four goals uh, by half time. Um, although the second half was better, we did score uh, three goals. Uh, two goals, rather. Was it two or three? I can't remember now. But yeah, it was about... Oh, yeah, it was three, sorry. Three, yeah. So we did win the second half 3-2. Uh, so if you took that second half performance on its own, you came out with three points. <laughs> but no, yeah, first half was ridiculous. Couldn't keep up with the pace of 
of City, you know, how drilled they were. I feel like, you know, the players obviously had a lot of time to work on this game. And yeah, they just sort of lost confidence from the one second in. You can see how angry and upset Ten Hag was, and understandably so. I did feel like he was a little bit late in making the substitutions. I think Casemiro should definitely come on earlier. Martial did have an impact, did score two goals. Fred did get an assist. Um, but it was all a little bit late on. And, uh, you know, Varane did get injured. Um, he was off the pitch when City did score from the corner. And then I think for the, the following goal, um, he was sort of slightly at fault. Uh, couldn't keep up the pace because he was injured and he did come off eventually. But that's no not to discredit City at all. They're, they're a machine at the moment. Phil Foden's had a, had a fantastic game. I think he'll definitely be a starter for England. Maybe even Grealish as well now because because he had a great game, great game too, buying fouls and everything. Um, it's hard to see City not winning the league. Uh, I I think the scoreline also sort of maybe maybe doesn't show the full story. Um, three six three doesn't sound as bad as losing six one, which we were about to you know near to the end uh, until the 80th minute or so, and you know we've got a history of losing six one to City or what's say history. We, there's one famous game where we lost 6-1 to City. So it would have been a worse scoreline than 6-3. Um, I, I think what saved you was a little bit was where they made the five substitutions, brought on some players that don't really play that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think at least one of their goals, they did just switch off. So I, I think, agree. I think if it was more... They were trying to go and win the game like they were in the first half. I would have. I don't think you would have scored as many as you did, but I think I, they kind I of just relaxed. Yeah, it could have been more. I mean, there's very few positives for United. Anthony did score a very nice goal, so there's that uh, outside the box of long shot. Um, and you know, Malassia, I thought, although you know, he did get hooked for Luke Shaw. Um, I did think he had a quite decent game. You can see his impact. You know, he, he almost cleared um, Haaland's header off the line. But yeah, as I said, City are a machine. When you got such an output from all their players, they didn't even play a defensive midfield of this game and they didn't really phase them at all. Um, with the quality of passing, they could just get around any player. Irresistible to press. Uh, they're no doubt have won the league. The question, that, I mean, I'm saying this like eight games in, but I think we all, all know that um, with the quality they've got on the start 11 and on the bench, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see how well they can do in Europe. If they can transfer this form into Europe, uh, into the Champions League, onto the, the, I guess, some would argue the biggest stage, um, then I guess they've got a real chance to be contenders to win the tournament. But yeah, they look really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just just to focus on Haaland, um, as he always is doing, he is still smashing records. Um, so... He smashed, I think it was at least two in this game. So he smashed the record for most goals in the first 10 games. He's got two to spare. He's already scored um, 14. And he's got two more games to go. He beat, he's beaten the records um, that was set by Mickey Quinn, Cissé and Diego Costa of 11 in their first 10. Um, and he he's also the first player to score three hat-tricks consistently at home games in the Premier League. He is also the first player to score in his first four away games in the Premier League. Yeah, there's one that 
amazes me as well is that um, he's the fastest player to score three hat-tricks in the league um, in eight games. And the next quickest is Owen, who took 48 games. So 40 more games. Um, and then after that, obviously, it goes higher and higher in, in terms of games this man take taken to, to get those hat-tricks. But yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, such an imposing striker. But I guess this is the, one of the first times we've seen him actually be able to, or not be able to, but actually seen him um, assist um, and be a bit more involved in link-up play, which would be very useful in games against, you know, well, better and well-drilled teams, um, you know, against the likes of, I guess, Real Madrid, and Bayern Munich, perhaps. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I feel like United will... <laughs> I guess the three goals of, in a way, kept some sort of momentum for them. So it's not the end of the world. We're, we're playing in Europe this weekend, this weekend, this week, against a Cypriot side, Omnia. So that should be an easier game. I imagine Martial will start off this decent return in this game. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess for the club, they just need to keep, keep some sort of form going. Mm. Um, City have no issue with that, of course. No, no, especially with Haaland, and he's he's still going to probably break records. Probably going to break the Premier League record for goals, and maybe even break and uh, get a record of scoring in every single game. Which was Harry Kane was the closest to that, but we will see, and um, we'll be definitely following on this podcast. Uh, but next week we'll have uh, Champions League coming up. Uh, starts mm-hmm. tomorrow, so keep an eye out for that. Also, Europa League and Europa League Conference, so we'll have a roundup of that, uh, plus uh, Premier League games and uh, leagues from around Europe. Last thing to do before we sign off um, is the player of your play, the Pitchider Player of the Week. Uh, well, <laughs> I guess it's sort of fitting we just talked about City because I have to go for a City player. Uh, yeah, it is a toss-up between two, Foden or or Haaland. Although Haaland did get two assists, you know, Foden's like, all-round play was absolutely impeccable. I'll give them both. I'll give them a joint one because um, they both deserve credit. A phenomenal, phenomenal game for both of them. Uh, I think a player um, that I would probably throw a hat in for the ring is probably Tr- Trossard as well, getting these three goals, hat-trick. Yeah, actually, that's think, a very good show as well. Yeah, good I show. think I don't. I think he had a really good weekend, and I think he's very overshadowed. He's very overshadowed by this Harland and Phil Foden. I think with Harland, he's done it like three weekends in a row, mm-hmm. whereas Trossard has had an amazing weekend this weekend, especially against, especially for his quality against the quality he was playing against. Um, and yeah, and that wraps up this week's podcast. Uh, thank you for listening and thank you for joining me, Toby. Thank you. And have a good week and we will see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. For all the latest news, transfers and football articles, check out thepitchsider.com. It's the place to be. Contact us on our socials. Instagram and Twitter is at thepitchsider or via email is thepitchsider at hotmail.com dot com.